When Amber was detained by the police in Tibet, she got to know Jesus in a whole new way. It was probably around the third day or so when I really was at the end. And it really started getting more physical with me. And then like that, the Lord just said to me, they're persecuting me. Will you lend me your body? It's me they're persecuting. Will you love these that persecute you? Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. I've been so grateful for the opportunity to share with you here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio each week in 2016. One of the highlights of the year was an interview with a gospel worker in Tibet. To protect her safety, we just call her Sister Amber, and VOM Radio was the first time that she had publicly shared her story. I don't think I'll ever forget Amber sharing how, in the midst of hardship and even torture, She sensed God asking her if he could borrow her body to receive his persecution. The two-part interview with Sister Amber was among our most listened to episodes in 2016. And as we look back on the year, I want to share highlights from Amber's story. Even if you heard the programs last spring, you will be inspired by this story of a regular woman who let the power of God work through her in an extraordinary circumstance. Amber worked in Tibet for 16 years. Now, Tibet is a closed country. They're not open to missionaries or gospel workers. I asked Sister Amber how God opened the door initially for her to even get into the country. My first entry into Tibet was actually through a Christian NGO, to start some food gardens for Tibetan farmers. While I was with them, I trained up one of the local people to work with me. We worked very well together, and I basically passed everything on to him. And at that time, I remembered saying to this dear doctor who I was working with that my heart's ready for the Ngari nomads. And so I will be doing this for perhaps two years at the most, but then I want to be moving up north, northwest into Lhasa. And she was okay with that. She knew where my heart was. The beauty of that was I changed then from a work visa to a business visa at the time, and I was allowed to do that. The Lord just opened the way. When the Lord wants you in a place, he'll (laughs) open the place, even though the authorities don't know it. (laughs) He's got this way of just moving. It was just like God gave me favor. And so I was able to move over to Lhasa. My friend who came to know the father back in, it was the end of August 2012. After many years of him working with me in December of 2012 on Christmas Day, the father showed me and him that he wanted us to wash the feet of the nomads. And we went out to do this without them knowing that we were coming in the middle of winter on Christmas Day. (laughs) Very, very cold. We hiked up through these mountains over over the shoulder of a mountain. 
my dear friend then shared with them, told them why we were there, which was so beautiful. Just seeing him doing it in their language and all, and and their and the astonishment on their faces because these people only bathe like once a year, <laughs> usually in August. <laughs> they have the bathing festival, and that's when they they will actually wash themselves. So to to actually take their feet and wash their feet, which is the lowest part of their bodies, and is seen as a taboo part of their body, was very humbling. They were just so taken with it, so they lined up, they got themselves organized, and we went into the one tent, and we just took snow and melted that. And then I had I had soap, <laughs> I had a towel, <laughs> and we bathed their feet. My friend bathed them, and I, I toweled them dry. And while he was bathing them, we just prayed over them. And we did everybody, right through to little babies and little children, aunts and uncles, grannies and grandpas, uh, mums and dads. We were busy with that until about midnight. And it, and the wonder of that was it, it was such a breakthrough because I've been sharing about Christ with them for a long time. And when they realized this is what Jesus did and we were about to leave to go back to Lhasa, they said to us, please, will you come again and tell us more about this Jesus now, which was a fantastic breakthrough because every time in the past when I'd spoken about him, they actually became more religious in their own religion. <laughs> and now this time, they were more interested in who is this? Who, who is Yeshua? Who is this guy who inspired yes. you to come all yes. the way up here and yes. wash our feet? Yes. You know, after after that time, there came a day where the persecution came to your yes. doorstep. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how that happened, how you found out, okay, now it's it's me that's going to be persecuted and also what kind of what was going on in your heart and in your mind during those first few moments when you realized, okay, this is the police and they're here for me. Yeah, that was in January of 2013. Quite soon, actually, after the feet washing, it was the 5th of January, the morning, early hours of the morning of the 5th of January. Which I think is interesting because the foot washing was such a breakthrough. Yes, you have these nomadic people who are saying, yeah, come back and tell us more about Jesus. Yes. And then just a few days later, there's Bang. a knock on the door yes. and it's the police. Exactly. When I think back at that time, I didn't think in that way because I was afraid and I didn't know what was going on. And everything in your human your human body just reacts to to something which is really horrible and something that you almost can't believe this is happening to you. And you just wanted to stop. You just want to stop it now. Even at your door, you want to stop it from going any further. But that wasn't to be. What happened that brought you over from fear to, to okay, to Lord, that. whatever you have in mind, I'm, I'm willing to be your servant in this situation? When they had me in the office and in this room where they locked me in there with these five policemen, they had on the table this, this paper that they wanted me to write and admit to things that I hadn't done. And they had a list of things they yes. wanted you to admit to. Yes. It, it wasn't your confession. It was there. they wanted you to write their confession. Yes. yes. And it was things that I, I've never done in my life even, you know. Um, it was trumped up charges. And I've since learned that this is what they do to cover themselves or something. But anyway, so it was trumped up things. And I knew when I, they wanted me to write in my own handwriting 
because then I'm admitting to this and then signing at the bottom. And then I, supposedly I would be free. But I knew in, instinctively in my heart I wouldn't be. That would give them recourse to to sort of convict me or something. And it was during that that the father, with all that was going on, that's when the Lord just showed, started showing me when I didn't know what to do and I was terrified. You get to a point where you think, well, should I just write this or shouldn't I? You know, what what what, what do you do? You don't know what to do. You have nobody to talk to, not in the physical sense. I only had the Lord. I could only rely on Jesus. And um, that's when he imparted in in my spirit that I was just to write my test me down and to write, at, after I've written the test me, the reason I'm here in, in Tibet is to bring the love of Christ to these people and to them, even as persecutors, because he loves them and he wants them in his kingdom. And it was during that process, because they kept, every time they came back in and saw what I'd written, because the Lord just showed me, you just write this all the time, all the time, all the time. No matter how many times they tear it up, you just write this the whole time. And of course, it got pretty bad. And they were ripping it up, making me write again, making me write again, and leaving me sometimes for hours on my own. It's all just to put more and more fear, I guess, into me. And then it come, they would come in, rip everything up. And it was in the process of that, in the first two or three days, it was probably around the third day or so when I really was at the end. And it really started getting more physical with me. And I was just saying, Lord, please just take, take me, just let me die. And he came with his spirit upon <coughs> me and he just took me out of my body it was amazing. It was just like I rose up and I looked down on myself and I could see what they were doing. And then like that, the Lord just said to me, they're persecuting me. Will you lend me your body? They're not. It's me they're persecuting. Will you love them? Will you love these that persecute you? And it was in that moment that he started giving me the strength of the Holy Spirit to withstand I went back into my body, and I could feel the blows, but, you know, they didn't hurt as much. Wow. They were there, and, I mean, I saw the bruises. They hurt afterwards a lot, but they were, it, was like, it was like Jesus was taking the impact almost the whole time for me, which yes. was amazing. Amen. And it was just like him saying to me, you know, this is how I help my people, my children, through persecution. This is how I'm with them. And... Just know I'm with you always in these things. And every impact, he said, now love them. Every Just throw out my love for them and tell them, verbalize it to them. And this is what I did. I just, I just had the strength in me to say, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeshu Aini. Yeshu Aini in Chinese. In my mind's eye, I see them getting more and more frustrated. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're trying to scare this lady. We're trying to cause her pain. And all she's doing is responding that Jesus loves us. Did yes. you see that kind yes. of anger and yes. frustration? Yes. And, and eventually, actually, what then also happened, three of them left. And they left me with two. Three left. They were so frustrated and angry they got out. But the two they left me with were the worst. And they were just really 
really trying to rip into me, that's when I could start saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because the physical aspects were not pleasant at all as a woman as well. They were just really trying to get me into a place of such submission to them that I would end up doing anything they wanted. But God prevailed in that. Yeah. So even in the interrogation chamber, even under mm. torture, persecution, yeah. torture, yeah. your testimony is God was there and he empowered me yes. to stand firm. Yes, and to yes, and to love them. When we read in the scripture mm. that uh you know, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. When, when you're interrogated mm, yes. and when you're questioned, yes. what does that verse mean to you now that it didn't mean to you before this experience? I think it was a great encouragement to know that I didn't have to admit to anything without God's permission. And that in the eyes of the Lord, I was okay. I had done nothing wrong. It also gave me the strength to remain silent, even though they were wanting me to respond and to say things and to give in. But the way the Lord just held my heart and kind of closed my mouth, <laughs> the only thing was his love. And Father, forgive them. I've, you know, for they know not what they do. And what was implanted in my heart, my righteousness is in him. The truth of who I am is in him. He knows me. They don't know me. This is just Satan trying to uh, corner me or make me confess to things that I'm, I've, I've never done. And the Lord is standing as a shield and saying, no, this is my child. And you will never, ever accuse her of anything because she's mine, she's my child, and she's righteous and true before me. Uh, it, it was just such a comfort in a way to know that I could rely on him as well, and I could know I could start tr really trusting him, that if there was something else also he wanted me to say, he would put it in my heart. So really, even on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, you were yes. just waiting on the Lord. Yes, yes. What I do you want praying. me to say? Yes. Or don't say anything at all. Yes. That's just amazing for us to yes. think about having that willingness to say, even when these yes. guys are beating yes. on me, okay, Lord, if you don't want me to say anything, I'll just be quiet. Yes. It's like he took my mind and controlled it with his. It's interesting, the, the issue of controlling your mind. I think mm. there's a verse about them putting on yes. the mind of Christ. Christ. Yes. Even in that setting, yes. there's that opportunity. Okay, Christ, I want your mind, yeah, not my mind. mind. Yes, because my, me, in my human capacity, I want to run away. I want this to stop. It's just too painful. But he gave me that, inc just, just him in me, just strengthened my body. And it was his thoughts. It was his love. It was his mouth that spoke. At the end of your time of persecution, mm. um, they released you. Yeah. They said, go out of our country and don't come back. Yeah. Uh, if you do come back, you're going to go to prison. Yeah. How did that feel? Well, when that day came and you realized, okay, the Lord has seen me through these months. 
I've been faithful to him, and now I'm free. It's an anticlimax, really. I was shocked at, at the sort of sentence. I was also relieved, very deeply relieved that God's moved and I'm free. It was also a lot of pain because I was leaving a group of people that I can never come back to who I've given my heart for. It was really a mixed bag of emotions. I can't say I was relieved, but I was also very, very sad, very heartbroken at the thought of not being able to return to this beautiful country, to these beautiful people who I really, really had a deep love and care cared about. But I was also incredibly relieved. And I think it's interesting because obviously Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Yeah. God said to you several times during this period, it's, it's not, not finished. finished. Yes. I'm not done. That was amazing because when I now knew that I was going to be freed, set free at the border between Tibet and Nepal, a big question in my heart was, why has this all happened? What was this all about? I've learned their language, all this sort of thing. Like, what, what is this all about? And then him reminding me, but it's not finished. I have a bigger purpose for your life, and your ministry is going to increase. It's going to be even bigger than what it has been. And I kept thinking, well, what do you mean by that, Lord? Because I'm, I'm leaving Tibet. <laughs> this is where my heart is. This is where my, these people are. And it was then that he sh showed me through my journey down to to Kathmandu. When I got to Kathmandu and this travel agent that, that I was brought to, and the director of this travel agent came down, lovely man who God just used to bless me. He took me into his office to have some tea and that and then and I was I was just crying and broken and just really Trying to, you're trying to control yourself, but you can't because you're just so, you're in this anticlimax. Everything is just unburdening on you and you're just crying. And he was so kind and so thoughtful. And the way they kept on saying, Nepal, it's okay. Nepal's a good place. <laughs> you're free now. You're free it's now. okay. And, and in his office, it was in his office, and he, pu he pushed this, this DVD across to me and said, this is a film that's been made a documentary film for the first time made of all the Tibetans found in the Himalayas of Nepal. And he, he put it, pushed it to me and said, I know you love Tibetan people. And right there and then at that moment, I felt the Lord saying, see, it's not finished. The same group of nomads are found in the Himalayas here in Nepal, just across the border from Tibet. He also revealed to me in that time that China very bizarrely, they had just recently, in the recent years, reopened an ancient trade route between the nomads of Tibet, the Ngari nomads of Tibet, and the Ngari nomads of, of Nepal. Wow. And it was like a conduit that the Lord then just showed me up in, in, in this particular region in Nepal where these nomads are. And they and they'd only done it about a few years ago. I wasn't aware of that until I got to Nepal. And then it was like the Lord just saying to me, see, see it's not finished. I have a plan. <laughs> yes. Um, so that, that, just, that just jolled in my heart. And I want you to share a little bit because you shared in chapel. Again, we're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Sister Amber, 
she has been a gospel worker in the nation of Tibet. You shared this morning about a drawing in your mom's prayer book. Yes. After you mm. eventually got out, after you got yes. back with your mom, you hadn't really been able to communicate to mm. a lot of people from within this situation. But your mom showed you something in her prayer book, and I want you to share that because it's pretty amazing. Yes. When I got home to my country, um, and my mom had been praying for me because she had been aware. I have an amazing mother. She's a great prayer warrior, and she loves the Lord with all her heart. And I just thank the Lord every day for such a mom. When I got home, one of the first things she showed me was her notebook at the time of praying for me. And she had this drawing of a table with me sitting on the other side and five policemen, five people on the other side. And she didn't know. She had no clue that that was the setup I initially had at all. But the Lord imprinted this on her heart. And she was praying over that sort of drawing that she made. As, and my mum was showing me on the drawing, she pointed to one person, the head of one of the people, and show, And the Lord showed her he's got a special, very special plan for that man who's one of the policemen that was interrogating me. And it's out of that it was such confirmation again to me when at the time of going through this kind of interrogation and, and persecution that when the Lord said, also clearly said to me, these people who persecute you, the only way they're ever going to know about me is through them persecuting my children. They're an unreached group of people. They, never ha they will never have the opportunity of knowing about Jesus Christ. This is the way they meet my children and come to know who I am. Amazing. Which is... How do you think of that? It's... So, it's just, again, the Lord just saying to me, so will you let me use your body so that they can come to know me as their Lord and Savior? They can have the opportunity for the first time in their lives to know who I am. And so, thousands of miles away... Not knowing what you're mm. going through, your mom draws a picture in her notebook of you mm. at a table mm. with five men around you, yeah. and God says, this guy right here, I got big plans for him. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I want to encourage our listeners because we don't know that guy's name, and if we did, we wouldn't tell you, but I want you to join in that prayer mm. um, that, that God has said, I have big plans for this guy. Yes. And I want you to join in yes. praying that God's plans will be fulfilled in his life. Whatever yes, that means, Jesus. however God's going to get a hold mm. of him, we don't know all those answers. Yeah. We may not know till we get to heaven. Yeah. But just I want you to join in that prayer uh, with us here, with Sister Amber and with her mom and her prayer notebook. Mm. Um, yes, Lord. That you will just uh, join in that prayer. Mm. Amber, one of the things that that amazes me and I think amazes American Christians because mm. we're we're pretty comfortable. Yes. Um, 
the New Testament talks about persecution as an honor. Mm. Uh, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer yes. for the name. Yes. What do you say to that? How, how do you respond to that? Because you've been there. You've yeah. experienced it. At the time, you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Please give this honor to someone else. I don't think the Lord asks us to go and look for it. But he, he was gracious enough to warn us that these things will happen because of him. Having gone through it, and I look back now, it was an awesome privilege. I can say that from the depth of my heart. And if people say, ask me now, would you, you know, if, if you could have avoided it, would you have? Well, firstly, I don't know how to answer that, because how do you avoid such a thing? You don't know when it's going to come. They could come in any moment in that door. You don't know. You you don't have that kind of forewarning. But I know in my heart, yes, Lord, it is a privilege. And sometimes it's a cross that we he wants us to bear. And when I realized, too, that as he had put to me that this is the only way these who persecute my children will come to know him, that was just such a revelation to me of his love for them and made me think, okay, God, if, if this is what it takes to save even them, to bring them into the kingdom, and if this is what it means for your church to grow so that more can come to know you, then, Lord, I, I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. And I truly feel that. And I just, I just now sit back in awe that he, he considered me worthy of such an honor and such a privilege. And it's not me, it's him, it's all him. We've been listening to one of the most listened to episodes of 2016 here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and I think you can understand why so many people were inspired by this story. We've been hearing from a gospel worker we just call Sister Amber in order to protect her safety and her identity. You know, I can't imagine any follower of Christ hearing that story and not being challenged. I want to be more like that. I want to share my faith more boldly. I want to live more sold out for Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for the ministry of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Every week, we want to challenge you to grow closer to Christ, to follow him more boldly, to share your faith with the people around you, just like our brothers and sisters are doing in hostile nations around the world. You just heard a part of Sister Amber's story. If you'll go online to vomradio.net, you can hear the complete two-part interview where she shares even more details about her persecution, but also about how faithful God was to her during that time of persecution. You can also dig into our archives and hear other moving stories from people who are serving God in the hardest places on the planet. 
That website, again, vomradio.net, where you can hear every single episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can also link over and subscribe to our podcast so that the episodes show up automatically on your phone or your device. Come back and join us next week. We're going to continue to review some of the top moments from Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2016. You'll be encouraged to hear how God is working around the world and to hear firsthand stories from people who are serving Christ in difficult places. So I hope you'll be sure and join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.